0: Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Today, we are going to talk about something that a lot of people are not talking about especially in the animal care field, we're going to talk about compassion fatigue. Now, if you're watching this, I guess you don't watch podcasts. If you're listening to this and you're like, compassion, what? What is this? take a listen to this episode. Compassion fatigue is something that is running rampant in a lot of different industries, not just in animal care, but it is something that was recently brought up to me during National Zookeeper Week, which was just a few weeks ago. I was on Instagram and I saw a video from my friend Tiffany, aka Hunt for a Keeper. She has a phenomenal account, by the way and for National Zookeeper Week instead of, you know, posting a photo of her with the variety of different animals she's had the privilege of working with, she posted a video about compassion fatigue and actually talked about how It is so mentally and physically draining being an animal care professional and how there are topics that people just don't talk about. And I found it so interesting and I thought, and I I, I just sent her a text and said, hey, can you come on the show to talk about compassion fatigue? Because a lot of people don't talk about it. A lot of people when you see us online or you visit a zoo or an aquarium and you see the zookeeper or aquarist working with the animals and, you know, they're doing keeper talks and, you know, a lot of them will say, this is my dream job and I get to work with all these animals and they're so passionate about their animals. A lot of people don't realize there is almost kind of a dark side to the industry and that is compassion fatigue. It's being physically exhausted, mentally exhausted, you know, to the point where you lose self-care for yourself, you start, um, you know, having, you know, problems in your personal life and how it's hard to just literally drop your work life and find that work life and personal life balance. And so once again, during today's episode, it's kind of a different Animals to the Max podcast, but we talk about something that needs to be talked about. Now, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, Corbin, I don't work at a zoo. I don't, you know, work with animals animals? How does this, you know, really apply to me? This applies to all different types of industries. So listen to it. In this podcast, Tiffany goes over some tips on how you can kind of avoid compassion fatigue, or if you are going through compassion fatigue, how to cope with it. Uh, The good news is you can get out of it if you take the necessary steps and things to do. So that's a very, very interesting podcast interview. I, Always have such a good time listening and talking to Tiffany. Now, by the way, if you are a fan of the Animals to the Max podcast and Tiffany's name, aka Hunt for a Keeper, sounds familiar, that's because she's actually been on the show before. If you have not had a chance to listen to her interview, please go back and listen to it. She was episode 143. Where um, I talked to her about her extensive career working with animals. So once again, episode one forty three. I will put the links in the show notes. I'm also going to put the links of how you can um, you know help and cope with compassion fatigue you can read more articles about it which i will put in the show notes as well before we do that as always please make sure to rate and review the show please do that Um, if you uh, like this show honestly to help out just taking 30 seconds to give us a five star rating and just you know maybe writing what your favorite episode was that really helps push the podcast out to more people who are searching for animal podcasts or people who are interested in working with animals and kind of want more of a behind the scenes glimpse of this career so also if you want to join us, I encourage you to join us for the after show. Tiffany and I talk more about how I cope with compassion fatigue and uh, what I do to try to keep myself sane because honestly, I don't think I've ever been busier in my life and sometimes I feel like my head is about to explode. So if we go more in depth with that, to get the full interview, all you have to do is just head on over to patreon.com animals to the max. With that said, let's get to it. Welcome back to the show. I appreciate you coming on.
1: Oh, I
0: love coming on. Oh, you're so full of it. This is probably such a pain for you. We've been tra- <laughs> we've been trying to coordinate a date for like weeks. I've been canceling on you. You've been <laughs> I
1: know, it's okay.
0: Yeah. We're and
1: adults, we're busy.
0: We're so busy and I literally just got up. This is the first day that I haven't had to get up super early and I'm exhausted. And then I realized that's okay because today we're gonna talk about compassion fatigue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> together yeah i was like (laughs) i was like so exhausted i was like this is perfect we could just (laughs) we could just be real but uh listeners what happened is and by the way if you're not following tiffany on tiktok or instagram please follow her her handle is hunt for a keeper but you posted a video during national zookeeper week and it was so sad it was just like you looking like about to cry about just just being exhausted of, you know, working with animals and this industry. And I feel like compassion fatigue is something a lot of people aren't really talking about. And a lot of people maybe who, well, I guess people in the zoo community are, but people who aren't in it, they have no idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I, I was going back and forth whether to post that video or not. to be honest, the idea was in my head and Um, I'm sure you are too, but there's a lot of zookeeping groups on Facebook and for National Zookeeper Week, I saw a lot of keepers posting and complaining about how their facilities handled it and like how they were featured. And like, you know, I always joke and a lot of people joked in that group that if you need a week to celebrate your profession, that means you aren't being appreciated. Right. (laughs) So, And I just saw everyone complaining and I'm like, you know what? I think instead of being and i hate to say it super positive and bubbly and just putting a lot of pictures on my instagram of me and my zookeeping career i'm like i want to like strip all that down and be real i just want to be real for a second and so i did that and you know i did it not necessarily to highlight struggles in my career and myself i just wanted to do it to highlight just compassion fatigue as a whole And all the comments that I got were just like, stick in there. Like, you got this. And I'm like, oh, crap. (laughs) But at the same time, I got at least what I wanted. And people were realizing that, you know, especially with people who have social media and have a big following, we may put on a specific face to get education out there and animals and stuff. But behind the scenes, you don't know what's going through our heads. And, like, I just wanted to open that up. You know, and just start that conversation, which, you know, I was happy because a lot of people ended up private messaging me and we just had really great conversations. Um, So and, and that's people in the zoo field and people outside of the zoo field.
0: Yeah, So, so you kind of, you kind of pull back the bullcrap curtain of like people posing, you know, feeding their tigers and being like, this yeah. is the best job in the world. <laughs> and you yeah, were like, exactly. yeah. And for someone listening, compassion fatigue in zookeeping though, like, what is it though? Cause I mean, people might be like, I don't, I don't understand what is, you know, like what well, is going I mean, on behind the scenes?
1: You know, and I hate to even tie it just as zookeeping because I always tell people when I start talking about compassion fatigue, essentially it's you care too much to the point where you're losing yourself. You're burnt out. Um, It was discovered in 1992 by Dr. Figley. And he, when he discovered it, he wanted, it was more so, you know, looking at nurses and doctors and EMTs. Um, And as we've learned about it a little bit more, we've realized that there's a lot of other professions that are within that, um, zookeeping, vets, you know, teachers, even. Oh, yeah. And then we discovered that you don't even have to be a professional. It could be people who are taking care of their grandma at home. Um, so I really like talking about this because it's just not zookeeping. It is everyone that could feel this and, you know, essentially be diagnosed with it. Um, but as far as zookeeping, it's, you know, we are fighting, I don't want to say a losing battle, but a very hard battle. Um, we are trying to save the world, you know, <laughs> and i we are we're superheroes, really. And, you know, we are dealing with a lot of traumatic events. We have to deal with animal deaths, animal transfers. We have to deal with welfare issues. We have to, you know, see what's happening in the world around us, even outside of our zoo or animal care facility or whatever it may be. And that is so incredibly taxing. I mean, they compare compassion fatigue to PTSD. It's definitely not something just to throw around there and be like, oh, I have compassion fatigue. No, it's serious. You know, and we, we really got to just talk about it. That's what it is, is we got to talk about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not to mention when you're dealing with all the, animal, you know, dealing with animal deaths, you know, mm-hmm. transfers, this and that, you're working long, long days I mean, you're working, you're getting up early, you are just, yeah, I mean, your life revolves around this career. And I'm not personally a zookeeper, but I, you know, care for 30 different exotic animals. I feel like I'm a full-time zookeeper just without benefits. (laughs) I just don't get paid.
1: (laughs) No, we don't get that many benefits anyway, so you're not missing out. But I mean, that's the issue. And I was looking at it, the more I dove into compassion fatigue, I was looking at Like, what exactly, like, harbors this? And it was essentially, you know, high expectations at work. We are responsible for keeping multiple animals alive. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the notion that self-care is selfish. And I don't think necessarily management may harbor that, but I know at least a lot of zookeepers who are even, like, scared to take vacation because they're worried about when they go on vacation, who's going to take care of the animals. Of course we trust our coworkers, but there's some extent that we hold all the responsibility with those animals. And we're like, well, they aren't taking a vacation. Why should I take a vacation? So, you know, and then lack of personal boundaries. I think we all struggle with that. Just an animal keeping as a whole, um, And, you know, we, I think at least when I've talked to a lot of zookeepers or even just people who are dealing with this, it's very hard for us to separate work from home. I mean, we're constantly stressed. We're constantly worried about our animals. You know, I'm sure every animal keeper at one point has gotten home, driven back to work to make sure a lock's been locked. You know, we don't have those personal boundaries. We come back from work and we care about our animals so much we're doing research at home and you know even with my current job now I obviously you know I do a lot of social media but I do social media for my facility too so oh I you would do have, yeah mm-hmm. oh so you yeah. you run
0: two accounts
1: <laughs> well I run my own personal like friends account and then I have my hunt for a keeper accounts and then I run yes my facilities social media account so and that's on top of all the animal care i'm doing and everything
0: yeah and can i just say something it is for those of you we can get into it later but running a social media page is not easy it is not easy it's there's a science behind it and it takes so much time so go ahead continue what you're gonna say Yeah. so
1: i mean i was getting to the point where i was constantly on my phone after work because like work was so busy that i didn't really get to check even my facility social media page uh, so sure I would come home and I would see all the uh, messages and I would start responding to them and my husband would just look at me and he's like get off your phone and I'm like but I have to and he's like no you don't have to he's like get off your phone and so you know it got to a point where I mean at least with me and I'm sure with you it's very hard to separate that especially being in social media because it's not like we have a 9 to 5 job it's you post when you have content, you know? So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I can't really speak for it because obviously I have another job on top of the social media that I do. And I think everyone has realized at this point I've been very quiet on TikTok.
0: Yes, you um, have. I have a bone to yeah. pick with you. You've been very quiet. You haven't posted <laughs> since J- July. What? Yeah. The end of July. It is yeah. August 16th. What is going on? What? It, you know what? It's I probably good decided,
1: for you. <laughs> you. know it's it's compassion fatigue, really. It came down go. to it. I needed... Um, I needed some time. I <laughs> TikTok is very hard because I was, you know, the audience on TikTok is young. And, you know, you do get some older people, but you know, with the young people it's very hard to educate them. And I have found that that when I posted like really hard topics like I'm sure everyone saw like I was posting about someone who let their, um, I believe it was a Savannah cat out and attack a federally protected bird. And I was just showing people like, hey, this is not right. This is how you could stop this and everything like that. And you know what? It was an issue that was very black and white. What was happening was 100% illegal. And I still had people defending it. And I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) Like, it is... It is not an issue that has gray area. It was illegal.
0: This is and by the way, it is a horrific video. I had a hard time watching it because the piece of crap of the person who owned the cat was just like laughing hysterically as i think it was yeah it was a savannah cat was it a serval attacking or
1: maybe it was a serval yeah it could have been a serval or savannah cat i don't
0: know whatever it was yeah sorry wait 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 for me to sound like a complete karen actually i i sound like someone on tiktok whatever it was some small african cat and it went after an american coot i believe right and it just the lady was laughing and it just was like oh my god and I'm so happy you stood up for that because that should not be on social media at all. No. It's illegal and it's just downright cruel. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. So,
1: But yeah, so I mean, and that was, and you could kind of notice after that, my posting started getting very sporadic because, you know, it was getting to the point where I was getting death threats and, you know, I was just like, out of all the things I've posted, I shouldn't be getting death threats for this. <laughs> like, you know, I again, it was 100% illegal. Why am I getting death threats? Why aren't people angry about them? Why are they angry that I called them out and then start, you know, analyzing my life? And I'm just like, it's because, you know, kids see those videos, and they laugh at them. And they think they're funny, or they had in history with that social media account and that social media account did post a lot of that animal and like funny videos and they had a following and you know it's just like i was getting to the point where i'm like i the reality finally hit me that maybe i was fighting a battle i couldn't win and when i talk about compassion fatigue I always talk about awareness and, you know, I think we all, again, we all think we're superheroes and there, there has to be a reality check at some point where we realize that the battles we're fighting, we may not win in our time. Um, And I think I kind of realized that with TikTok. And so, you know, I stopped posting as much because, you know, I was kind of losing sight of why I even started it. I started to become like an animal activist, and you know, I realized that that wasn't necessarily the direction that I should go. That I, I still want to educate and I still want to make really funny videos and show people what zookeeping is, but I was getting so engulfed in just trying to do right by the animals that I was losing sight of my main mission, and that is to educate. And I was just like, this person's doing this wrong. This person's doing this wrong. And it's just like, oh my gosh, have I turned into a carrot?
0: you turn turned into, yeah. Oh my God, and that so sucks. I just
1: had to take a step back and I'm like, all right, I may not win every single one of these battles. Definitely not on TikTok. Um, but I'm going to at least keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to take a step back, really figure out how I want this account to go. I mean, as most of people know, Hunt for a Keeper, was something that i was going to turn into a really cool conservation project idea and i just graduated the course that i was taking for it so you know i kind of wanted to launch it into that more so um but again i don't want to you know i don't want to rob people of all the cute and funny animal videos still and i think i stopped doing that as much because i was like oh there's so much stuff on tiktok that makes me angry
0: (laughs) oh my god so you become bitter
1: yeah, I became a little bitter. And so I'm just taking a step back, kind of reevaluating everything and then, you know, going from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll be back. I'll definitely be back. I just got busy and I started getting better and, it, and TikTok wasn't something I enjoyed anymore. And as most of you know, I have a full-time job on top of this. So, like, yeah. I need to enjoy <clears throat> the me. things I'm doing outside of my job.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's a good point that you brought up that it's okay to take a break. Yeah. It's I mean even if we're not talking about social media, like I mean, it's it's okay and it's probably so healthy. I'm sure you feel so much better just having a clear you oh, know yeah. mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to constantly worry about what you're posting and then commenting and like you said social media, I don't even understand social media. I don't. I don't know how I have 3 million followers. I <laughs> don't understand algorithms and everything. I just post things that I enjoy and then if they work, they work and I know we've had conversations where I'm like, "What do I do?"
0: <laughs> yeah. I it is uh it's very hard and I'm at the point where like I'm producing daily videos and i'm literally sometimes i feel so overwhelmed like i was up the other day till 12:30 at night editing a youtube video editing tiktok to post for this so i also have my animals and then my wife and i also own a wine tour company that is like Ooh. so we i know now you're interested so we <laughs> cuz we live out in idaho wine country so that yeah we're hiring employees. We have like three van. Anyway, it is like it, its own separate animal. So it's like owning two businesses and on top of that social, it can get so overwhelming. And I'm with you, Tiffany. I don't even know. And I guess this is a good problem to have, but like I get so many DMs. I haven't even looked at my DMS. It is like so overwhelming. I haven't looked, I try to respond to everybody, but when you're getting literally thousands of comments a day, yeah. Like, a day. And I guess this is like, people are like, oh, what a sad, sad problem to have. But seriously, it, it's so overwhelming and you feel like you have to, re- you know, you have to respond. And it's just like, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it's a lot.
1: It is a lot. And, I mean, again.
0: We sound like happy. famous people who are like, I hate being famous. Like, we literally built this brand. I feel like kind of <laughs> like a jerk now. Because, I mean, honestly, no. all I ever wanted was a big following. And now we're yeah. we're at that point And now it's like. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it it can be overwhelming.
1: That's the thing, though. Complaining about how you feel about things doesn't mean you're ungrateful. And I think when, you know, we're talking about compassion fatigue, that's what a lot of people think, that, you know, I reached my dream job before I was 25. Like, I reached my career goal. And, you know, after that, I'm like, I shouldn't complain. I was so privileged. And, you know, I worked my butt off. And I got to where I wanted to be before I was even 30. Why should I? Why am I complaining? And that's toxic. That is so toxic. And, you know, you have the right to complain. You have the right to bring up things, you know, in your industry that are unjust. And, you know, I think you know, in the early days, you know, even keepers or whoever, whatever professional or non-professional is dealing with compassion fatigue was afraid to bring up these issues. And that's why I think we're dealing with what we're dealing with is because first of all, zookeepers don't even know what compassion fatigue is before they even get into the career. So they can't, you know, they can't prepare for it because they've never heard about it. And then your management, when you tell them you're dealing with all this, they don't know what you're talking about. And so they don't know how to harbor an environment that can negate all of this. Um, so I just think, you know, complaining isn't necessarily a bad thing. Being in tune with your your feelings isn't a bad thing. It's it's needed now. Um, you know, so even with you, I when you were saying all that stuff, I never for once thought you were ungrateful. I think you're really? so grateful for where you are. Yeah, I just, you know... I I think people need to stop being scared for voicing their opinion, especially in careers where compassion fatigue runs rapid. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, vets, I think, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word, but, you know, they're, what, the second ranked field for suicides? What? Yeah. That is not something that. We should just be sweeping under the rug. It's something that we should be talking about. And if a vet wants to complain, I'm like, please let it out. I want to hear your story and I wanna know what's wrong and we could, you know, figure out a solution to fix this. So it's I mean, don't quote me on the second I'm it's high up it's there high. though. It's surprisingly yeah. high. Um, but yeah, I just and a lot of people, you know. My interns actually mentioned to me the other day, they said, Our first day, it's almost like you're trying to scare us. And (laughs) with every intern for their orientation, I talk about the very traumatic events that have happened in my career. And I talk about compassion fatigue. And, you know, for our first day orientation, it's usually all bubbly and fun like, this is what we're going to be doing. This is awesome. And I'm like, this is the field you're getting into. I want you to always be in tune with yourself. And if you ever have a moment in a day where you're coming here to work for me and you aren't feeling mentally up to it, I want you to be honest with me because I understand your struggle. And, you know, I've had some... Even some interns come up to me and be like, Hey, today I'm just not mentally in it. I have a lot of stuff going on at home. And I look at them and I said, Thank you for telling me you are free to go home. Oh, I'm right? gonna say, Thank and- you
0: for telling me now please go clean the tigers. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't do all that stuff. no, yeah, please. Stop I mean. kidding.
1: These kids are coming in and they're like, you know, I mean, just this is a toxic trait within the animal care field as is. You need experience to get a job, but to get experience, you're basically working for free at at a volunteer internship. So a lot of these people don't know their worth and they feel like they, you know, they do need to bust their butt, but they are scared to talk about this type of stuff because they're like, we're proving ourselves. We want to be the best employee ever. And in return, they're taking their self-care and pounding it into the ground. And I never want that to happen. And that's, I think, the downside of this career is that we're taught that from the beginning and we aren't talking about compassion fatigue, so people are pushing down their self-care because animals are the best, and that's what we're here for. And then, now look at you, you're diagnosed with compassion fatigue. So, you know, I try and nip it in the butt with these newbies (laughs) coming into the field, like, I wanna teach you about this, and it may be sad and depressing for your first day, but I want you going into this field with all of the tools that I never got going in 10 years ago. So, but yeah, they all said that, you know, oh, wow, that was a really intense day. And I said, you know, and I'm like, but what about that one day you left early? I said, would you have felt comfortable staying here if we didn't have that conversation? And they said, no. So, you know, it's, I'm happy to do it and I'm sad to scare them at the same time, but I'm happy that they're getting all the tools that they need going into this field and I hope that anyone in any type of caregiving field gets all the tools they need on their orientation days. So,
0: Man, I don't know. That's where I'm at. We need more managers like you. And I guess we forgot to mention, if you haven't listened to Tiffany's um, previous interview on the show, you are a manager. And I feel like we need yeah. more managers like that to say, like, listen, yeah. if you're not mentally there, please come to me. Because – you are zookeepers work with very dangerous animals. And if you are yeah. not mentally there and you're shifting a carnivore or you're not paying attention, like you could die, you could harm mm-hmm. the public. I mean, it's a serious thing. You have to be fully present. And I think it's, yeah. man, it's honestly scary. If you really think about it, if you have someone who is like dealing with compassion fatigue and they have other stuff on their mind and they're, yeah. I don't know, it, it could be a bad situation.
1: I mean, compassion fatigue, there's a ton of symptoms within it, but I mean, you obviously have your difficulty separating your personal life from work. You Mm -hmm. are not putting your own well-being as a priority. You're irritable, very (laughs) irritable. Uh, You know, you see decreased productivity from all of this. It's, you know, fatigue. You even may isolate yourself Um, you have self-doubt and low self-esteem, you know, anxiety, you're disconnected. And the worst of it is, and obviously we don't mean to do this, but you may have reduced feelings of sympathy. So, you know, when we look at just, you know, people who experience this as a whole, if you're a nurse, if you're a vet, if you're a teacher, anything, that's huge to have reduced sympathy because you're literally burning yourself out. And so I always tell people, it's so nice to be aware of this because when you start to see this happen, if you take the steps needed in order to reverse this, uh-huh. you are actually going to work better. So, you know, your animals are going to be taken care of better. And so that kind of puts a fire under their, their butts because they want to work better, but they're just, they they don't know how to handle the certain stresses that are happening. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge in the field, especially where you're working with dangerous animals and, you know, my interns, volunteers, you know, coworkers, whatever, they know the two most important things for me, are mental health and safety in this field, because I did work with dangerous animals for a very long time. And, you know, I was a part of animal escapes, animal attacks on, you know, other zookeepers. I, not me, I, it wasn't because of me, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it you know i was i saw all that happen and that was before i even knew about compassion fatigue and i you know once i started figuring out i kind of divulged in all the series of events that led up to those moments and i'm like i wonder if that keeper was just so fatigued that she was not in her right mind and you know no one just saw the signs of it or that keeper you know was just hiding it all or whatever it may be And it's, it's really sad to think of something that happened like that, that probably could have been avoided. And, you know, that's huge for me, you know, being with any type of animal. I mean, even if you work with parakeets to tigers, it's huge. You need to be in the right mental space and to be safe, you know, around these animals because it could hurt you. It could hurt the public. It could hurt the animal. And you're you're working to do the complete opposite of that so i mean yeah it's it's really scary it's a really really scary thing and i again i can't talk about compassion fatigue enough
0: (laughs) no i think i think it's so good and on top of that can we also talk and this is I, i guess i think more people are speaking about it but not only are you have compassion fatigue you're working these long days you're caring about the animals you also have, a lot of people have financial stress because zookeepers do not get paid a lot of money. It is a, yeah. and some people don't know that, but it is like, if you're, I mean, if you're stressed about living and paying your bills and living, I mean, that is the worst feeling living like a paycheck to paycheck. That is like the, yeah. you know what I mean? I, that, I I don't know if you know what I mean, but I mean, a lot of keepers do and it, it's, it's stressful.
1: I mean, I drive down, you know, our main road in our town and I see fast food restaurants, um, and they advertise how much they pay per hour. And I'm like, you know, in 10 plus years in my career and I'm in management, they're only a couple of dollars away from me. And I'm like, and this is an entry level job. Mind you, they are like the backbone right now. We're sure. all you know, all those types of workers. But, you know, it's, it's crazy to me that I have a four year degree that I've been in this field for over 10 years and, you know. I am getting paid very close to what fast food workers start off at. Um, And again, I'm not discrediting anything that fast food workers do, but it's a very harsh reality in this field that, I mean, I even work for a nonprofit right now and it pays even better than a lot of like big box zoos. And so, you know, that's huge. And like I said, you know, interns and volunteers, they start off in this field working for free. And that's what's ingrained in their mind is that their labor is worth free. And, you know, so when we start in this field, because we're so passionate about it, we're really willing to take any salary just to get in the field. And then, you know, it's just a a very slippery slope. And I hate to say it, it's sad. And, you know, I know a lot of you know, keepers and animal care workers in general who are working second jobs on top of their full-time job. Yep. So like, obviously that's going to lead to even worse compassion fatigue because you don't even have time to yourself because you're working a second job. Um, so there's obviously a lot of issues in the industry that I don't think are going to be fixed tomorrow. But once we start having these conversations with, you know, management and the uppers and everything like that, I think that's when it starts to change. But we need to find the confidence in our voices and we need to start having these conversations. I mean, obviously, I came from being a keeper into management because I saw all these issues. But a lot of these people in management aren't keepers, you know, and we always like to make them the bad guys in the situation, but a lot of the times they are just, they don't know. And we can't blame them for not knowing if we aren't using our voices. Um, but again, I've seen like a really great revolution, even with just in the zookeeper groups I'm in on Facebook, a lot of people are starting to have these conversations And groups are starting to be made just about these specific topics. So, you know, we have all the tools that we could go to management and you know present these things. But again, this field is really—it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me that stuck out was—and I don't want to divulge this group name—but there is a group on Facebook for keepers who have left the field Mm. because they need emotional support. Because we identified as a zookeeper for the majority of our lives. And when you leave that, you don't know who you are and we shouldn't be defined by our jobs, you know? So it's, there's this group that helps support these people leave the field because they're so fatigued. And I'm just like, that is an issue that we need a support group for leaving this field because it's had such insane consequences on our lives. So, you know, again, we just need to start having conversations and I see it and it's it's awesome. But I I don't want to, you know, leave this podcast for anyone being like, oh, I have to be in animal care to feel this. No, you could be in so many other fields and feel this too. And I hope that anyone, when they are done listening to this, you know, goes to their management and is like, hey, I learned all about compassion fatigue. I feel like I'm feeling it. I feel like my coworkers are feeling it. Let's do something to change this. So, but yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm happy we are talking about it. Um yeah. and back on to the the whole pay about what zookeepers mm-hmm. make, you know, it, it's funny because for so long it's been like we all live these dream jobs, we work with animals and this is great. It's not like an office job and this and that. And I remember one time, I mean w I, I don't know, I was doing some video about it and I remember my wife is like, But hun, like it's like no one ever talks about how there is like there's no money in it. And it's so true. And it's just no one ever really talks about like how there it's just you fully do this for the passion there are very few places where you are i mean i guess if you are super super up in management or you're a director ceo where you're going to be making money but no one ever talks about how little people are paid and how if you get in this industry you're not i mean you need to be aware of it i think it's smart because you know i i think we should be talking about it because it's like if you, if someone young is listening, like they should fully know, like if you you're up against a pretty big battle and financially it's, you better figure something out or just be prepared to live pretty frugally. If you want to get into this field.
1: Exactly. I mean, if you look at any career that's driven by passion, it usually doesn't pay well.
0: And because it's
1: driven by passion yeah. and they know that they could pay you low because you're so passionate. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's kind of sick to think about it that way, isn't it? You know, you're so passionate about your field, you're willing to do anything. But again, like we're in the middle of a pandemic. Look at the nurses and we'll probably what they're getting paid to deal with everything that they're dealing with. It's because they're passionate and that's what the reason why, you know, they're still doing what they're doing. And same thing with zookeepers. We see that the world is literally falling apart around us and that animals are going extinct and we are so passionate about it that we are willing to get paid pennies in order to be in this field. Um, and you know what, I, I was guilty of it. I took pennies when I started getting into this field. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even when I worked my way up, I was pretty much still getting pennies. It's, it's sad. And it's sad how, and you said, you know, getting into management, you're paid a lot more. I think it depends on the level of management, but like the higher ups get paid some like insanely higher than zookeepers but I'm like, what kind of business model is that when the zookeepers are the ones that are running your business? You know, without zookeepers, you wouldn't have a business. You wouldn't have it. Um, so, you know, why we get treated so unfairly is, you know, I, again, something we need to start having conversations about um, and why, you know, again, I don't want to mock management or anything like that, but, you know, why they're getting paid, you know, triple, you know, four times the amount we're getting, you know, what, what makes that just, I I really don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it is a really sad reality that you really, I'm just, and I, again, I say this to all the volunteers and interns, be prepared to struggle, be prepared to have a second job. And that's so sad Mm. to
0: say. It's so sad. I'm feeling sad, (laughs) but it is. It's
1: so sad, you know? Yeah like unless you get married to someone who makes a lot more money than you you're going to struggle a little bit um and that's sad
0: (laughs) and yeah and i also want to say something too that the zookeepers, the animal care staff you're at the front line dealing with the public Mm -hmm. like the management is usually tucked away back in an office from my experience they are back in the back people usually don't see them um and you're dealing with the public. You're dealing with, uh, you know, the guests. And I, I'm i sure you deal with, you know, people who are angry, people who are like, oh, this is sad. People who are like, zoos suck. So it's like you're taking in all of the, you know, this exhibit's too small. This needs to be mm-hmm. clean. Why is the pool dirty? Like you are taking it all in. And yeah. that that just can't help either. With
1: No, it, def- it definitely doesn't help. And it's it's kind of sad we live in a society right now where people don't trust a professional opinion.
0: They don't.
1: Yes. And, you know, again, I saw that a ton on TikTok.
0: I just, I just saw it too. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. Like where, you know, I I forget what it, someone took a possum from the wild because it was a baby and it was orphaned. And they said they tried getting it to a rehabber and they couldn't, Um, Mm -hmm. but they are talking to a rehabber and, and you know, how to raise this opossum. Um, But I saw some comments within the video, because obviously I always look at comments and I saw a lot of comments with on the, you know, on the video that says, oh, are you going to keep it for a pet now because you raised it? And I just commented something very simple. I said, you know what? That animal isn't yours to take. It's a wild animal and it was born in the wild and you should want to release it into the wild. That is not your pet. It is not your property to take. And you know, I then commented underneath that, you know, all the reasons why this animal should be released into the wild and, you know, why they shouldn't be cuddling it and making it a pet. And I was, oh, the amount of comments I got back to it saying I didn't know anything and like all this stuff. And I'm like, I am like, I don't want to say I'm a professional, but I am a professional. And I'm telling you, like, I'm giving you scientific facts on why this is wrong. And you're still telling me I'm wrong? <laughs> what? And so people just don't, I, I just think people don't respect professional opinions anymore. So that's mm. another huge burden we're bearing because we're saying all this stuff and we're talking about science. And people are like, you're wrong. You're wrong. Posse, <laughs> wrong. to be pets. They would be great pets. I knew someone, my, you know, friend of a friend of a friend of a friend who had an opossum and it made a great pet right so it's it's a it's yeah we have a lot of burdens to bear a lot of burden. I mean it's for us to get four-year college degrees or master's degrees or whatever and people still not listen to us um is a little tough obviously that's you know that's a huge part but I think as zookeepers, we've all had a story with a member of the public who sees like, I don't know, like a cerebral or a caracal, and they're like, "Oh, I knew someone who had that as a pet," and it's just like, "Yeah, but they shouldn't be pets." <laughs> so, you know, uh, and here are the reasons why. And then they kind of just look at you and they're like, "Well, I knew a friend who had one."
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, I guess you just like you know, pick your battles, you know. Exactly. I used exactly. I used to respond to like a lot of those comments, but I feel like now I just don't have. I just don't even want to put the inner, you know what I mean? Like, I realize that they have that opinion and whatever you say, they are not going to change their minds. Like, have you ever on, I guess some people on social media have been like, okay, thank you. Like now I understand. But like, usually people who are like hating like that are just never going to be like, okay, you're right. No.
1: (laughs) I mean, and that's again, what we're kind of talking about in the beginning here, you just have to know what battles you're. Yes. Maybe going to lose and just accept that
0: like and I, then move on. <laughs> someone, So I literally just went to your TikTok to check your following. And yeah. um, and I, as you, anyway, I looked at like one of my notifications and, and I don't, anyway, it's just, you know, when you like click the, yeah, yeah. Like the notifications. And it was like, someone's like, this person has no idea what's going on. Like, this is not an expert. And like, it's like, and then I, and I looked at the person and the person looks like they're 12 years old. And I was yeah. about to comment back and I was like, you know what? I am not even going to get, I am like, I'm an expert in my field. I am not going to get an argument with a 12 or 13 year old about how I take care of a lizard. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to waste my time.
1: Yeah, I'm I, again, I think the best is to put the information out there. And if they accept it, they accept it. If they don't, they don't. And I just hope that maybe someone else reading the comments like I do a lot of the time sees that and she's like, Oh, wow, she's right. I didn't know that before. And they may not comment back. But, like, at least people are reading it and at least it's out there. I mean, sometimes I admit I have deleted comments that I have made because I just couldn't stand the amount of you comments can't. after that that are like, you don't know anything. You're a Karen. You're yeah. Baskin. Uh, like, oh, Carol Baskin. Oh,
0: my Carol Baskin. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm with so. you. I'm with you. So, <laughs> someone in the field, as a keeper, how can we deal with compassion fatigue? Like, what? What are, what are some steps if we're listening yeah. and we are overwhelmed and we feel like, oh, my God, I'm going through this?
1: Yeah. I mean, first, I think – so I could send it to you after this, but there is a free screening test that you could take just to see where you are. Yep, on the spectrum. Oh, I'm scared to take um, it.
0: I don't want to take uh, it. I could I be know, so that- – I'm it's not going to take it
1: reality. I'm <laughs>
0: not taking it. I feel like I'm fine. I'm like, <laughs> don't send it to me, please. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I'm doing.
1: Um, it. There's that. And then obviously you could talk to your doctor because we, we already talked about some of the, the symptoms of all this. Again, you know, if you need to, I could send you, you know, at least the ones that I have written up and then that free screening. But after you kind of go through all those steps, I think the first one is to acknowledge and recognize it that you have it and taking that quiz and everything like that and talking to your doctor, I think that is a huge, huge step that takes a lot of courage. Um, And then your typical, just self-care, get sleep. We don't get that much sleep. We worry a lot or we have a broken up sleep, eating better, moving. I know our job is very physical, but moving in positive ways after work, not just sitting on your couch and being upset for the rest of the day And what I found myself doing when I kind of realized it was my reality is I would get home from work and I would sit in my car. I wouldn't even leave my car. I would just sit in my car in my driveway and just sit there for like a half hour to 45 minutes, just like staring and just like, and then I would get home, take a shower, sit on the couch. And then like my husband would be like, do you want dinner? Like, and I would just be so like brain dead And I'm like, this isn't right. So what I did in order to help all that is I get home from work and me and my husband kind of have an agreement that I have 30 minutes to unwind. And in those 30 minutes, I could feel everything I want to feel. I could feel sad. I could feel stressed. You know, I could reflect on my day. But after that 30 minutes is over, I turn that off and I go and enjoy my life. And, you know, I will make sure to do one thing that makes me happy Every day, That is not related to my job or to my animals. You know, going out in the woods for a walk, taking a hike, baking, anything that makes me happy, I will try and do one of those things that night. Um, self-care obviously everyone's like we're all in this self-care world Well, we we actually need to start doing it we talk a lot about it but we don't do it so self-care is just so important to get past this compassion fatigue is something you could fix that's the positive in all of this you could fix it you just have to recognize it and start making positive steps to revert it Um, again I give myself that 30 minute window to feel everything I want to feel get it all out Whatever. After that, start thinking of the positives of your day too, right? Instead of you know, oh, you know this animal isn't doing good. I don't know what to do. Blah blah blah. You think of you know what today? This you know I was able to train this animal to target, right? And that's huge. That's a positive thing in my day. Instead of instead of just focusing on all the negative that happened, focused on at least one positive thing that happened on your day. And you could do this within that thirty minute self reflection. Um, And then, again, and we talked about it a lot, just realize you can't change everything in the world. And that acceptance, I think, will give you some relief just as is. Um, And then let go of perfectionism. That is very hard for all of our keepers or really anyone in a very passionate field is we strive to be perfect, and it's okay not to be perfect. (laughs) Your face
0: right now is making me. It's true, though yeah i feel it's like it's very a lot of light bulb value bombs it's so true Mm -hmm. it it's it's okay
1: it is okay okay.
0: (laughs) it is okay
1: (laughs) i think yeah and the biggest one i mean we're kind of doing it right now and i i would love for anyone to reach out to me if they're listening to this get social support get friend support get you know your significant other whatever it may be let them know this is happening to you and get that support group for yourself. And I'm going to say this, and it may be a little bit shocking, do not do it with your coworkers. Do it from people outside of the field. If you just, and I hate to say it, but if you, you know, the majority of your friend base is from people at work, you're gonna see that that negative kind of toxic is going to take over because I, I mean, I'm a 100% do this you know when i first started in the career a lot of my friends were just from work and we would go out to dinner after work and complained about what happened at work and that's not healthy again some level of complaint is okay that's self-reflection but when you're like making it the sole base of your friendships where you just go together and you complain together and then you leave you it just that's very unsatisfying that's very unsatisfying so i always say create like your support structure From people outside of work and then you could create one with people inside of work but i think everyone needs to recognize at that point if they're dealing with compassion fatigue and that everyone within that group is working to make it better so maybe don't complain about work the entire four hours you get together whatever it may be um and then obviously boundaries something we all have you know issues with creating is boundaries say no Say no.
0: My wife is loving this type of boundary thing. She's learning about it on a podcast. It's okay to say no. Someone invites you to a kid's party. We don't have kids. We don't want to go. No. Yeah. No. No. No.
1: no. I don't
0: care. No.
1: (laughs) Yes. And again, that's even with this field, right? We someone asked if we could pick up a shift. Or, you know, (sighs) can you work late? Or, you know, Something is happening. Obviously, there's some things you need to work late for. If you know your animal, you know, there's a welfare issue or anything like that, you guys are trying to sort out and your vet's there that day. Sometimes you need to work late, but you don't need to work late every day. You don't. And this is especially important for those salary people out there because you don't clock in and clock out. You know, say no. Say no. That is, (laughs) I wish that could just be like, the zookeeper slogan is, is it's okay to say no, you know, and it's okay to say yes to yourself. You know, if you want to go on vacation, please go take that vacation. If, you know, if you are dealing with things outside of work that are very tragic events, it's okay to call off, you know, and sure. Will your staff be short staffed for one day? Yes. Will they get through it? Yes, they will. They will. So it's, you know, creating boundaries, I think is the biggest thing and especially work life balance within that boundary, you know, again, going home, taking that 30 minutes, think about work. And then after that, be present in your own life, you know, be self aware of how you're feeling and and make yourself happy. And I think, you know, the one post that I, I posted on Instagram that went off that TikTok, you know, video, I think the Something that I wrote down, I'm like, oh, wow, that was good. Like, yeah. your animals are just as important as you are. And I think we forget that sometimes. We think our animals are way more important than our own lives. And that is so far from the truth. We are equal, you know. So just make sure the amount of care you're pumping into your animals, you're also pumping into yourself. You know, it's, it's hard when you empty your cup and then you don't take time to fill it back up. So that's... Those are all my tips and tricks. Obviously, I have a lot of articles that I could send you after this if you want to attach it to this or whatever, yes, where people please. could you know, read a little bit more on this topic. There's been a lot of like independent TED Talks about this topic, um, and there is a specific group on Facebook about this topic. Um, so there's a lot of resources that everyone can utilize outside of just listening to this podcast.
0: Yes, I've learned uh, so much and it's great to talk to someone in the field. I know you said don't talk to your mm-hmm. friends in the field, but I mean, I, 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 no, I, 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 I work solo, so it's yeah. kind of nice to like, you know, talk to someone who, who understands and, uh, again,
1: it's, it's not a bad thing to have friends. I would sure. hope everyone has friends in the field, right?
0: <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, no, of course. You know, as
1: far as your support group, if you're surrounding yourself You know, with a lot of people who are going through the same thing, but some people aren't working to make that better. I hate to say it, but they could drag you down a little bit, drag you right back into that toxic place. So it's nice to have people outside who. They, they are probably the most aware of how you've changed since you've been in the field, right? Because they saw you before it and they're seeing you during it. And, you know, when you're with your friends, they might not know how you used to be before you got in that field because all they know is you in that field. Um, so it's just nice to get like that secondary opinion from people outside. Again, it's not a bad thing to have friends. If I wasn't able to vent to my friends occasionally during work, it would make work yeah. miserable. Yeah. So it's nice to have that. It's just don't get sucked in it. Don't get sucked in. It's okay, again, to reflect and complain, but don't get sucked into that negativity.
0: Yes, that's awesome. Well, Tiffany, will you join me for the after show? Because I want to tell you what I do on a daily and see if maybe it could help you and maybe other people. And by the way, if you want to join us for the after show, all you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max to join us to get the full interview. But with that said, Tiffany, thank you for coming on the show. Hunt for a keeper, TikTok, Instagram, please send me those links and we will uh, get it out there. And uh, thank you so much for coming back on the show. You're I welcome. I really enjoyed this. I'm happy we had this conversation. I think it's important.